Hi, everyone. It's Ashley. Each week here on the deck, you hear raw interviews from family members and investigators who are looking for answers to cases that, for whatever reason, remain unsolved. But unsolved crimes are often unsolved for a reason. Time has cracked and curved around some of these cases for so long that getting answers has become complicated. Well, now, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra is turning back the clock to look at an unsolved case from 1991. She's speaking to investigators, key witnesses, and loved ones who are still searching for answers on how exactly 27-year-old Douglas Wagg Jr. died. But here's the thing. While Delia's investigation for this season of Counterclock started as a look into one man's suspicious death, a string of crimes and other mysterious deaths point to so much more. Tune in each week for new episodes of Counterclock Season 6 wherever you listen to podcasts. Love is more than a day on the calendar or a sign-off on a letter. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that radiate with your love from every angle. With Pandora's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to show what's in your heart. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with handwritten charms or a personal engraving. Shop now at Pandora.net. Pandora. Be love. State Farm helps you win by helping you create an affordable price just for you. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Our card this week is James Winston III, the Nine of Clubs from Kansas. In February 2020, James was sitting in his Wichita, Kansas apartment when suddenly two people barged in in the dead of night, shot him, and fled, leaving behind a heartbroken family. Investigators think they know the motive behind James's murder, but their investigation has been frustrated by a lack of cooperation from the very people that they think hold the answers. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is The Deck. It was just before 3 a.m. on February 16th, 2020, and a woman named Tara Hampton had just arrived at her friend James's apartment complex. James had called Tara up an hour or so prior and had invited her to come over and hang out. When Tara walked up to his door, she noticed that it was slightly ajar. No big deal. He had told her over the phone that he'd leave it unlocked, and she could just let herself in whenever she got there. So she did just that. She stepped inside and looked down the hall into James's bedroom where she saw him lying on his bed. She walked towards his room and she must have assumed he was asleep because he wasn't moving or responding to her. But then she saw blood and lots of it. Tara pulled out her cell phone and frantically dialed 911. Within minutes, first responders were on scene. It was clear James had been shot multiple times 
But he was still somehow clinging to life, though unconscious, so EMS rushed him to the nearest hospital. Once EMS cleared out, investigators started their sweep of the apartment. Right away, there was something they found rather odd. Nothing seemed out of place. No sign of a struggle, nothing appeared to be missing, and it seemed like the shooter hadn't left anything behind other than the 10 spent shell casings which were collected and eventually uploaded to the National Integrated Ballistic Information Network, or NIBIN. The casings were two different calibers, which right away told police that they might be looking for more than one suspect, but they were struggling to find anything else to collect as evidence. Detective Robert Chisholm with the Wichita Police Department responded to the scene that day, and he said that it was pretty clear right away that they would be strapped for evidence. From what we can tell, they walked up, they shot him, they ran off. Um, They didn't go through the house, didn't appear to have been searched, um, anything like that. Once the casings were collected, investigators started the process of looking for any areas that might have had the shooter's DNA. Investigators dusted for fingerprints, swabbed all the doors and door handles, and any other areas they felt like might have been touched by the shooter or shooters. They searched for any shoe prints inside and outside his apartment, but their thorough searches turned up nothing. While they were searching every nook and cranny for something, anything to hang their hats on, they got word that James had passed away in the hospital. He'd been pronounced dead not long after arriving. At the same time, word of the crime was spreading like wildfire. Friends and family started to gather outside of the apartment waiting to find out what had happened to James. Investigators eventually came out and told them what happened, and they asked everyone to come down to the station for interviews. Several of the people agreed to interviews, including some of James's family members, even his kid's babysitter. But possibly most importantly, James's girlfriend and the mother of his six-week-old daughter, Valen Burrell, agreed to be interviewed as well. A reporting team spoke with Valen for this episode, and she said that when police were questioning her, she honestly felt like a suspect. But she was willing to answer any questions they had if it would help them catch James's killer. This whole time, like, my head is just spinning so fast because we have a six-week-old baby, and she'll never get to—I'm thinking, you know, she'll never get to touch her dad. She'll never get to see her dad. She'll never get to smell her dad. She'll never have her own dad. And she's only six weeks old. James had five other kids by other women, and Valen was worried for them, too. One of his kids was a newborn who was literally just hours old. Two of James's kids lived with him, but they were thankfully at their grandma's house that night. And as Valen sat there at the police station, she couldn't help but think of those six kids who were now fatherless. But Valen pushed through her tears and answered police's questions. The first being how she had found out that something had happened to James. She told investigators that she was sleeping soundly that morning, finally getting some rest after a long weekend of celebrating her birthday. But at some point, she woke up. And before drifting back to sleep, she decided to do a quick scroll through Facebook. Still half asleep, Valen thought that she saw a post with a picture of James's apartment and what looked like his car parked out front. It was a link to a news story posted by local ABC affiliate Cake News. So Valen clicked on the story to get a closer look. And that's when her stomach dropped. 
She didn't even read the story, but she could see clearly now that it was James's apartment in the picture, and she knew right away that something terrible had happened. Valen dropped everything, ran to her car, and drove to James's place, still barefoot. Investigators asked Valen if she knew of anyone who would want to hurt James. And what she told police echoed what everyone else they interviewed had to say. There were some people who had it out for him. Everyone pointed the finger at the same family, the McPhersons. It was well known that the McPhersons held a long-standing grudge against James because they blamed him for the death of one of their family members in 2017, Maya McPherson. You see, at one point, Maya and James were a couple. They lived together and had two kids. But during their relationship, James was going through some turbulent times. He was struggling with substance use disorder, and that led to some run-ins with the law and ultimately jail time. Now, while he was locked up, Maya passed away from a drug overdose, which the McPherson family blamed James for, claiming that he pressured her back into drugs after she'd gotten clean. After her death, Maya's mom, who we're going to call Wilma, got custody of their two kids since James was still in jail. But once he got out, he regained custody. Maya's family was far from happy about this. So the McPhersons took James to court and fought for custody. But ultimately, the judge sided with James. But it's not like Maya's family was totally cut off. The end arrangement was that James got custody of the kids throughout the week and Wilma would take them on the weekend. But the McPhersons weren't happy about that. At the time of James's death, Wilma was in the process of taking James to court again. I mean, things were messy. And some of Maya's relatives had even gone as far as making death threats toward James. But it wasn't just verbal threats. Police learned that earlier that very week, James and one of Maya's male relatives got into a physical altercation. Detective Chisholm wasn't under the impression that the fight was too violent. It wasn't reported to police, and to his knowledge, nobody needed medical attention. But any kind of fight like this before someone dies is something that's really going to stick out in hindsight, right? And there was something else police learned about the McPherson family that really raised some eyebrows. Another one of Maya's male relatives, who'd also been pretty vocal about his feelings toward James, had just finished serving a prison sentence for domestic battery. He'd been released from prison just a matter of hours before James was killed. Investigators knew that they needed to track this guy down, but not before they finished interviewing everybody else who came to the station. Busy parents have enough on their plates without adding your children's homework to the list as well. IXL is an excellent resource for homework help, which is especially nice for parents who are rusty on school info themselves. And methods have changed over the years, too. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. It's designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. And you get one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. There's a reason why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S., Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. A month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring, so now you could get your child the help they need at an affordable price. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And the DEC listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash DEC. Visit IXL.com slash deck to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
I can remember sitting in my high school Spanish class, looking down at the ground, just hoping, desperately hoping, I wouldn't get called on. Because languages have never come easy for me. And even after all those years of studying in school, I felt so insecure. Then as my husband and I started exploring international travel recently, he convinced me that it was time to give language another try. So naturally, we found Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages and they have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing your words. As my family continues to explore future travel, I know I'm going to take advantage of that because I want to feel as confident and respectful as possible. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Deck listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com deck. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash deck today. James's family and friends said aside from the issues with Maya's family, James's life had been quiet recently. After Maya died in 2017, James was determined to turn his life around for the sake of his kids. He got clean, got a well-paying job at a meatpacking plant in Wichita, and he never looked back. He'd recently gotten his first apartment and was doing his best to provide for his family. Sure, he had struggled with substance use in the past, but that was all behind him. He was moving forward. He had the biggest heart of anybody that I knew, and he would give you his absolute last without even thinking about it, without question. He was very dependable. Um, He was a very, very, very great dad, and nothing was more important in this world than his kids. But as they interviewed more people, it became clear that the McPhersons weren't moving forward, at least based on what the police heard from the kid's babysitter, who we're going to call Tanya. Tanya actually did some housekeeping stuff for James on the side, and she was there the day that James was killed. She'd been there doing some dishes and some other light housekeeping while he was at work, and she said that while she was working, two men stopped by the apartment. They were Maya's relatives, and they were looking for cigarettes. Now, Tanya said that this wasn't exactly abnormal. I guess people often came over to James's apartment to get some cigarettes from her because she was known in the area as this kind of go-to person for that. But just in case those two guys were somehow connected to James's murder, Tanya gave police their names. While detectives were conducting these interviews, officers were canvassing James's neighborhood, hoping that someone had seen something and was willing to talk. But as they knocked on door after door, their hopes were dashed. No one had seen anyone or anything suspicious that night. Only one neighbor even reported hearing anything. They said that they heard gunshots at around 2 a.m., then a woman screaming at around 3, which police figure was Tara discovering James. But the canvas did uncover something helpful. A house across the street from James's apartment had a few surveillance cameras. And that really gave detectives something to work with. You can actually see the footage in the blog post for this episode on our website, thedeckpodcast.com. At 2.10 a.m., the camera caught a sedan slowly driving down the street beside James's apartment. Then it parked on the side of the road. Moments later, at 2.12 a.m., two people are seen getting out of the car. 
They walk out of frame in the direction of James's apartment. And then 40 seconds later, they are seen running away from James's apartment, darting toward their car. I mean, they are booking it. It's easy to miss them in the footage because they're running so fast that they just look like blurs across the screen. Seconds after you see those blurs, you see the car's taillights pop on, but not the headlights. And the car peels out of its parking spot, then drives to the intersection, turns left, and continues out of frame. Now, even though we're talking about a case from 2020, we are somehow still dealing with really crappy footage. The quality itself is pretty low, and coupled with the fact that the stretch of road isn't well lit, it is so difficult to make out honestly anything about these people. Gender, race, clothing, and it was even harder to know what kind of car they were driving. But investigators found another surveillance camera further down the street, and using that, they were able to grab a high-quality image of the car that they were looking for, a light-colored Chevy sedan, possibly an Impala or a Malibu. Aside from giving police a car description, this footage told them three other important things. One, it confirmed what they had already suspected. There were two shooters. Two, thanks to the timestamps on the camera, they knew the exact time that the attack had happened. And most disturbingly of all was number three. The whole ambush took less than a minute, only 40 seconds. To police, this meant that the killers had one intention that night. To kill James. It was a calculated hit job, but by whom? In the days following James's murder, police tracked down the three relatives of Maya's who were brought up in their initial interviews. Police contacted the two guys who came by that day to get cigarettes, but only one of them was willing to talk to investigators. He wasn't super cooperative with the questioning, but he denied any involvement in James's death. Did you have any reason to believe that those men had come over to stake things out to then return later to kill James? I can always think, you know. I mean, it sounds reasonable to me that they were there for something more than just cigarettes. But you know, once again, as, as far as what I can prove and, uh, and uh, move forward with at this point, I don't have any reason to say that they weren't just there to to visit and get cigarettes. So investigators moved on to Maya's other relatives that they wanted to track down. Specifically, the one who'd been released from prison just hours before James was found dead in his bedroom. But that guy wouldn't cooperate with an interview either. He wouldn't so much as provide an alibi. He was completely closed-lipped. And this was a frustrating pattern with many of Maya's family members. The male relatives on the McPherson side were not cooperative. We interviewed a number of them. Uh, They weren't very cooperative at all. As the days and weeks passed by, the tips slowed down, and hope that James's killer would be caught faded. They had almost no physical evidence to work with, and the people they needed to talk to were refusing to cooperate. Things were at a standstill. James's case seemed to go cold, and his family was left to pick up the pieces. James's sister, Danielle Winston, said losing her brother left a hole in her life that she'll never be able to fill. Because he was more than just her brother. He was her best friend. They had different mothers and were only three months apart, so they grew up telling everyone that they were twins. She'd watched him go through a lot of struggles throughout his life, but she also had a front row seat to him overcoming those. He was just becoming a man. He was immature for a lot of his life. 
life wasn't important till it came to it have to be important. Uh, a battle with his children, fighting for custody of his kids after his wife had passed. He succeeded. He won that battle. He got himself a job, a good job, $20 an hour job. He got his first apartment. He was doing everything right leading up to his death. Not a gang member, not a violent person, a funny, lovable drunk. <laughs> but funny and lovable. Danielle said that her brother was an incredible poet. He didn't like to share his poems much, but would often give them to her. And she keeps a poem that he wrote about her proudly displayed in her living room. It almost sounds cliche to say that my brother didn't have a bad bone in his body because he's my brother. You can ask a million people. I swear they're all going to say the same. That boy walked in and it was just a light. It was a light inside of him that was dimmed for no apparent reason. He was literally at the peak of greatness, of doing great things, of these kids never wanting for anything. He finally, it clicked. It finally happened. Forget the streets and the race about these kids. Team Winston, Team Winston, Team Winston. He was definitely at his peak of becoming the man that he was supposed to be. And that was taken from him. Valen also got to witness James becoming his best self. One of her favorite memories of him was an interaction at the supermarket that happened just a few months before his passing. I was trying to teach him how to budget his money. And we went into Walmart, and he was just so excited. He was so excited about everything. So he was so excited that he was going to learn how to budget his money. So I said, okay, I'm going to show you how to get groceries with $40. You can get a couple meals with that. This was way before inflation. <laughs> but he, we go in Walmart, and we're on the second aisle. I'm like, okay, you don't need a list. You just need to know what you're getting. There's a little kid on the aisle. He's He's screaming, and his mom said, I don't have any money. I don't have enough money for that. We just have enough money to get the things we came for. James only had $40 and gave the kid 20 bucks. <laughs> so we were, I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, he wants a toy, and his mom can't afford it. And he was like, he's crying. But he would just love people, and he loved kids, and he just didn't want to see anybody hurting. He didn't want to see anybody suffering. Memories like that are what James's family clung to as they grieved the loss of a giant in their lives and came to grips with the fact that his killer might never be caught. For months, the investigation was stagnant. But in June 2020, there was finally a development in the case. Investigators got a hit in the NIBIN. Some of the casings found in James's apartment matched some bullets found at another scene of another murder. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000-plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. 
Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code DECK at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. When it comes to your health, there should be no compromises. Don't go back to that doctor who doesn't fully listen to you or rushes through your appointment. Instead, check out ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Search by location, availability, and insurance. No compromises. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. And you don't have to wait forever to get in with someone good. When I looked online, the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score some same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com deck and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash deck. ZocDoc the other murder happened in Kansas City, Missouri on June 6th. That's about four months after James was killed. There was a big outdoor gathering and a huge fight broke out. Lots of shots were fired and one man was killed. His name was Montel Ridley. Investigators in James's case did some digging, but they couldn't find any connection between Montel and James besides the bullets that they were killed with. The two victims didn't seem to know each other, and detectives weren't aware of any strong connections any of their suspects had to Kansas City. But the two cities are only about a three-hour drive apart, so it could have been anyone on their suspect list. Or the gun could have been a street gun that found its way to Missouri. This lead didn't give detectives much information, but they wouldn't have to wait much longer for another development, one that would give them a lot more to work with. A month later in July, police got another NIBIN hit. This time, it was because one of the murder weapons had been recovered in Kansas City, Missouri. There'd been a carjacking that led to a big police chase and ended with the suspect wrecking a stolen car. Now, the suspect bailed, and the police weren't able to catch him or positively identify him. But inside the stolen car, they found a gun, which they took into evidence. And as was protocol, they test-fired the gun and uploaded the casings to NIBIN to see if there were any matches to other crimes. And lo and behold, there were two. With all of this information, investigators were able to track the gun back to the original purchaser, a woman from Wichita who we're going to call Stacy. As far as Detective Chisholm knows, Stacy didn't know James or any of the suspects in his case, but she was known to associate with a rough crowd. Through some digging, police learned that she herself didn't have a criminal record, and she actually did purchase the gun legally. Detective Chisholm reached out to Stacy, explained the situation to her, and asked her if he could just ask her some questions. No, originally she acted as if she wanted to cooperate, but it was... You know, very, she wasn't answering questions, and then she was going to get back to me. She had to look at something, and she had to check her paperwork, or she wanted to do this, or she wanted to do that, and she'd call me back. Of course, she doesn't call back. I call her again after multiple attempts to go to her house, multiple attempts to make contact. She does call me, but 
then doesn't provide any more information, doesn't want to talk to me, hangs up. That's, that's been our relationship, you might say. She is not what I would call cooperative. Detective Chisholm said it's frustrating that she won't talk because he thinks that she may hold the information they need to close the case. And he doesn't have enough probable cause to execute a search warrant for her house or charge her with any kind of crime. She's just not being cooperative. And that lack of cooperation when dealing with local law enforcement in and of itself does not constitute a crime. Right now, you know, I can't tell you if the gun was stolen from her, if it was borrowed by somebody, if it was sold to somebody, or if even she's a suspect. Because once again, in the videos, you can't tell race, sex, you know, gender of the persons involved. Um, But I don't have any other information right now that would lead me to know or connect her to either one of these young men who were killed. Since those NIBIN hits, there has been little movement in James's case. But Detective Chisholm hasn't given up the fight. He's still trying to track down some of Maya's relatives for questioning, and he's also looking out for anyone with a vehicle similar to the one caught on surveillance cameras. It's just very difficult to get past that James's life was so centered at that moment. I mean, there wasn't a lot of external... Uh, noise in his life. Even though it's been two years since the last big development in this case, James's loved ones haven't given up hope. Valen told us she thinks it's only a matter of time before James's killers are caught. The thing that I know about people is that relationships change. So the people who you think are going to keep your secret forever will not. We asked her what she would say to the person who took James's life if she got the chance. I would just let them know that they took away a very, very, very beautiful soul from this earth. They They put out a light and a very bright soul. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. And he still had so much life to live. And he still had kids to raise and kids to be a part of and memories to make with his kids and birthday parties to celebrate and... He did, he's not going to get to do that anymore. And it's because you guys were selfish or you got mad or you decided to use a gun instead of your mouth to have a conversation. And at some point in time, we got to put the guns down and start talking. For James's family and friends, it's been excruciating trying to figure out how to move on without their sweet, loving, goofy James. When they took little James two years ago, they definitely took half of me and I have not been able to recover. So many different emotions as a sister losing a brother is no greater or no less than a mother, a a wife, a girlfriend, a baby mama, a niece, you know, a nephew. Pain is pain and I carry it heavily. My life will never be the same. It will never go back to being normal. There is no more normal. This is the new normal. Your brother's gone. So you as a human, how could you function in society when you know 
that someone murdered somebody close to you that was close to them. Doesn't that make you think that maybe they were close to me too? Do I know my brother's murderer? Do they sit on my couch with me? Do they come to family functions? Do we bump each other in the club? Is that them in Walmart talking to me and hugging me? James's family has gone two long years without answers. His six children are having to grow up without their father. And the monsters who took his life are still roaming the streets. James's loved ones deserve answers, and James deserves justice. If you have any information about the murder of James Winston III in 2020, please contact Detective Robert Chisholm with the Wichita Police Department at 316-268-4609. Or you can email coldcase at wichita.gov. The deck will be off next week, but we will return the following week with a brand new episode. The Deck is an audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So, what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at The living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant high-performance furniture from Ashley Store is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley Store's high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, comfortable, and easy to clean for more mess and less stress. Shop the life-resistant high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. For the love of home.